The Clutch. Hi, and welcome to The Clutch. I'm Tim. This is Rich. And welcome to season two. We're going to be changing things up as we begin the second season. We are going to be breaking up our podcasts into weekly episodes. So they'll all have a theme, and the theme of the first episode is going to be uh, the journey. So what was the story behind the designer, and how did they get to where they were? Um, what are some of the things they experienced as a kid that might have led them to believe, hey, I could do this as a career? Uh, the second segment is about their process. So this is how, all the little stuff that goes into how they work. Um, it could be interact, how they interact with clients, how they uh, pick their projects, how they manage their business alongside creative. Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and the third is about alternative universe, what they would be doing if they weren't a designer. And then the, lastly, we are expanding the, we used to call it picks, but we are getting a little deeper and having a full episode about what new things uh, people are excited about. It could be a new app, it could be a restaurant, it could be music, it could be anything. And our hope is to have these come out weekly. We're going to do our best to do that. Um, we have a really great first episode coming out. Uh, and we're excited about this. So if you like it, let us know. Give us some stars, like five of them, on iTunes. <laughs> Tell your friends, family. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye. The Clutch. All right. Uh, that looks better. Where's right. the nearest restroom? I might go oh. do that before uh, yeah. we start. So, just so, I don't so if you go around the corner anymore. and then around the corner again. In your mini Cooper O M F G Co. Keeping it official. Yo, it's gonna dish with his lips, not his fists. Check the interstitial auditory therapy. Props to the Jeremy Burnside Terror Spree. It's the passion, it's the love, it's the hunger, it's the thirst. Man, I love it when the good guys finish first. And it looks like levels aren't bad. Let me just check, check, check. Pop, yeah, pop, pop, <laughs> pop. <laughs> The, f the first time we did this, we actually took cushions from all the sofas and piled them up on the wall. That's great. I've, I've been pestering Tim to do this for a, a really long time. I just feel like he belongs on the radio. That's so great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my so I hardly talk at all. <laughs> but, but he's the more interesting of the two of us by I, far. Rich does product design. He has like um, an architecture degree from Columbia. Cool. Um, you came here as you came to Portland as an architect, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he hmm. came here to design buildings. And then you just, architects are horrible people, or what? It was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a different <laughs> uh, that's one way to put it. Um, no, I, I, I liked architecture education more than I liked architecture practice. Sure. That's cool. Yeah, I feel like architecture has, I don't know, it's one of those professions where the idea of it is super romantic, yeah. and the actual thing is so much different <laughs> than that. It's like really, I mean, really like, you have to go all the way, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's like we're we're just finishing up a project where we dealt a lot with that stuff, and it just went way deeper than I ever imagined it to. Rich, kick it off. I just said I don't like to talk in these things. I know, but you should kick it <laughs> off. You've never kicked You're it asking off. Asking me questions. Yeah, um, I can, I can take he, the funky beat. He kind of <laughs> he could. He freestyles a lot. What? Uh, go ahead. Okay, so my name is Rich, and this is Tim. Hi. <laughs> And this is the Design Clutch, and today we have OMFG Co. in the house. Yeah. 
so uh, not the whole the whole company, but uh, <laughs> the, founders, the founders, the principals. Hello. Hey. What What are your roles at the company? What do you put on your website? It's you, uh, creative director. Yeah, we're we call we're co-founders and creative directors. We also jokingly are the the CEOs and the janitors. Um, but that was before we had our whole wonderful team. Right. But crap rolls uphill, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Always. If there's something never no, actually. <laughs> no, but it but if there's something really lame that's really hard to deal with, like that's yeah. often your job. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Indeed. I, that's that's great. Jeremy, mm-hmm. uh, what's your story, man? Where are you from? Where, where um, uh, I w- grew up in Lubbock, Texas, a uh, really terrible place. Um, <laughs> I don't recommend anyone ever go. Um, uh, and w- one of the best things that came out of that for me um, was I, we had the choice to either, my friends and I, to either like make the scene cool or <laughs> deal with uh, you know, a, a really like horrible you know, desolate place. So we ended up making the scene cool. And like, <laughs> I started my own skate shop when I was 18 and my friend started a record store and I worked at the punk rock venue. And so like, that was my childhood, yeah. you know, punk rock, skateboarding, yeah. you know, doing, making art, making music. And, um, and I never knew you could do design <laughs> as, a, as a living. I didn't know that was a real thing or whatever. And so I never pursued the arts per se in school. I studied anthropology in college. Yeah. And, um, and that turned out to be incredibly useful for what we do. Um, uh, but I did study, uh, I got a minor in photography, major in uh, um, sociocultural anthropology and linguistics. And, um, and really, like, I, what turned me on to design was um, when my friends graduated with communication arts degrees, uh, in Dallas, uh, in, or in Denton, rather, um, and I graduated with anthropology. They started a magazine. I started working with them on their magazine, uh-huh. and um, and their magazine got enough attention that when WK12 was a new program, they were recruiting people by sending out postcards to like people doing interesting design stuff. And our, that magazine got a postcard, yeah, and they recommended me. And they're yeah. like, "Hey, if we recommended you for this, you you have a chance to move back to Portland. Would you want to do that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely," because I moved. I lived here for a little while in the '90s, just for skateboarding, and. Um, and so I got in, and that's what set me on the path. And, you know, we basically, like, went from Biden's program to ACE, from ACE to starting on the Fico Fritz, and here we are. So, What was the magazine? Oh, it's ca- it was called Art Prostitute. Okay. Yeah, um, my friend Mark Searcy, who was one of the partners, uh, lives here now, actually. Um, and he, he was living in Denton um, uh, with... Uh, his, his partner was Brian Gibb, and like they were just kind of doing their thing. And they moved. The, they moved. They had a gallery as well as a magazine, and then the gallery moved to um, Deep Ellum in Dallas. Um, you know, towards the end of their um, efforts with that. Unfortunately, like the part of Texas I know best is Houston, mm-hmm. um, which is which is. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm just trying to bag on Texas. No, no, it's fine. It's do it. Do it all you want. <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of I'm a big ugly city. It's right? a, yeah, like Houston's a yeah. Houston's a really dirty big. Place and it's gotten better over recent years, just like Dallas has. Um, in the Dallas sense of seems like it's evolving a ton. A like ton. a lot of interesting stuff is happening there. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. It's like I think also just way more progressive than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd say Houston's best known now for its gallery and art scene and its food scene. Yeah. A- and beyond that, it's kind of just a big gross to city. You know, it's it's very. I mean, in my mind, it's very similar to Seattle. You know what I mean? Like that Seattle mm-hmm. has some some cool parts to it but for the most part I wouldn't want to live there Seattle's so pretty I think is yeah, the, the big, big, that's big factor there where right. Seattle's gorgeous I think there's so many places in that city where you're like whoa this is amazing and beautiful and the right time of year there is just mm-hmm. amazing but yeah yeah I have no will to live in mm-hmm. Seattle no offense Seattle we right. love you Seattle love you Seattle <laughs> um, kind of awesome 
All right, Fritz. So, where are you from around here? No, I'm from Forks, Washington. Up Forks on the Peninsula. Oh boy. Yeah. That's that's gained notoriety for weird reasons recently. <laughs> yeah. Forks went from eighteen thousand visitors a year to eighty thousand <laughs> because of Twilight, uh, which is like insane because it's such a small town and it's so remote. It's like an hour from the nearest McDonald's or movie theater or anything like that, and uh, it's. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting, just the effect of Twilight uh, on that town, you know, especially because none of it's filmed there. Yeah, it was kind of uh, But, but okay. all the diehards, or the twihards, as they call them, the twihards. Uh, <laughs> don't care about that. They care about what that happened right. in the real story and the book. They want to go experience the real place, Forks. Yeah, no, uh, my <laughs> wife started reading the books, and she was like, you should read them. I was like can't go there <laughs> I can't like I don't know what it was that, that prevented me but maybe it's sort of my it, it, there's that kind of punk spirit right where, where it's like I'm not going to do that just because everyone else is doing yeah. it and I'm sure I've missed out on a lot of great cultural experiences because of that but yeah. it's no Harry Potter <laughs> right, right right so so start out in Forks and then where'd you go to school uh, I went to school at Linfield the first time okay I basically uh I don't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do. All my aptitude tests placed me doing uh, radio or television or something like that just because <laughs> I was like, wanted to, I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, I think I was creative and wanted to express things, and I didn't really know what the options were. You know, designer never showed up uh, on any of those tests. Right. I loved uh, the layout part of journalism classes and spent way too much time uh, in like Microsoft Publisher in high school and doing all right. sorts of weird word art and other things like that that are really funny to look back on. Right. And high school teachers love that, right? They oh, always they give were, you lots they, of extra credit yeah. for oh, a presentation. Oh, yeah. They were like, this is amazing. Great job. You know, and like <laughs> the content was always iffy, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I went to Linfield because I wanted to run uh, track and play basketball at a school and uh, my sister had gone there and I really liked both of the coaches there so I basically did that for my undergrad. Uh, I was a communications major like focus on film and nice. I minored in German. D and did you play basketball at Linfield? Yeah. That's great. And, and red track. So so yeah that's the second so Matthew Hollister I don't know if you know that guy he's an illustrator out of Seattle but he does a lot of great NBA illustrations, uh, and, and so we, we talked a little hoops with him. I still play uh, weekly, like, and I coach little kids, nice. <laughs> but yeah. basketball's big for me. Yeah, I'm starting up on Monday again in the men's league, so we'll be playing weekly. Nice. Uh, nice. Which is always good, just every year to test your uh, age. <laughs> uh, Remind you. That's right. Remind like, you you're aging. It seems like the older you get when you play basketball, the more you, like, work on that outside shot, right? Yeah, well, and it's like I, I still definitely have the, like, mentality I did in college where uh, just my, you know, legs aren't always going the same speed as my brain. Uh, you know, feeling like a step slow on everything is just kind of disappointing mm -hmm. the first couple of games. But I usually try to get out there and get a good dunk in a game. Uh that's each great. year just to prove to myself that I can do it. That you, you know? can still get over the rim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. I think I had my best in-game dunk ever right after, the day after my 36th birthday. So it was like, That's pretty cool. So that was cool. I was like, okay, yeah. not old, old yet. Yeah. <laughs> just feel sore. You know? <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. I can, yeah, I've, I've got, like, church ball stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We, yeah, we, had, we had a couple of carpeted gyms in <laughs> my hometown, like carpeted. Yeah. Uh, like a carpeted court and everything. It was like a real weird way to play basketball. Weird. Really, uh, really and weird. And horrible to fall. Oh, uh, awful. And I'm like 
the guy who's sliding on the floor a lot, <laughs> usually. So, <laughs> although in the men's league they don't let you dive, which is just bizarre. It's uh, terrible. Yeah, it's like the, the they took away my half of my game, which is <laughs> <laughs> diving <great>. or falling. <laughs> so <laughs> after Linfield, you went. So I, I after Linfield, I went uh, traveled Europe for a year and played basketball nice. in Germany with a friend of mine. Shut up. And then uh, came back to Portland, interviewed for like. I'd say a hundred jobs. This is right after the dot-com crash. Yeah. And uh, got zero interviews. Worked at Trader Joe's for a few months. Nice. Went back and fought for as far as for another season. I did that for six years. Wow. And then I uh, enrolled at PSU for graphic design. Wow. Is, so kind of after after your first like set of experiences, then you're like, all right, I'm going to be a graphic designer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, like after college, I started just seeing that as an opportunity. And I don't, didn't even know it was one until I was out of college, you know, because I was like, oh, man, I wish I could just do art classes all the time. But I didn't really want to be an art teacher. And I thought that was kind of where I would end up. And and yeah. and uh, yeah, so as soon as I saw that that was a thing, I was like, oh, man, I, I guess I'll just go back to school. And I'd like kind of dreaded school from the first time through. Uh, had so much fun when I was really passionate about what I was studying. Uh, it was just a different story. Were there, were there people or influencers, like, once you started, like, all right, this is my design path that kind of pushed you along the way that, like, made you, gave you the idea that this could be my, where, where I'm going to go? Yeah, what kind of clued yeah. you into this world? I don't know specifically. I'm trying to think of what might have been the hint at that. You know, as soon as I started the program there, I mean, I had a great time at PSU. It was, like, so many adjunct professors that worked in the city Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I had a professor at Sandstrom, one at Cinco, one at, uh, who'd left there, one who ended up at Wyden. That's how I got a job at Wyden later on, was through him. Right. Uh, and is that where you met? Or that is where I met. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So I was in studio. Jeremy was in 12. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I signed up for a weird boxing event, and uh, their, his 12 program was putting it on, like, as their kind of, like, last hurrah mm-hmm. uh, at the end of their program. And, uh, yeah, so I... Beat a some boxing guy. event? Yeah. Yeah, it was you, were, you were actually, and you... Yeah, it was like an interagency boxing. boxing event that they held inside the atrium at Wyden and Kennedy. Mm-hmm. It was really like a cool event. Uh, they had all the lights off and just like one light on the ring, and it was really kind of spectacular. Yeah. And I, I was like a month into the job, and they sent out an email that just said, Dark Horse needed, because somebody had dropped out. <laughs> and of course, I was like, well, yeah, what the hell, I'll do it. And, uh, and have a tendency to be like that. You know, I was just like... Yeah, what the hell? It's like kind of a make it or break it situation, you know, where I knew I was like, nobody really knew me at the time, and I was either going to be like famous or infamous uh, from <laughs> right. the results of that match, <laughs> right. uh, you know, and then, yeah, I just did a lot of stuff like that while I was there and knew, just kind of knew everybody. That's great. Um, so, so you guys met there, mm-hmm. and then were there, were there projects that you guys worked together on there, or when, when did you guys start working together? Not till, <clears throat> not till uh, I was uh, out of the building. Um, did we actually re- really work together? Like Fritz mentioned, like we had this, like twelve organized this interagency boxing tournament, um, mainly as like uh, a way to get people talking and to do something unique right before we were going to graduate. It was like within a week of our graduation. Um, and so that was kind of like, we didn't work directly too much. I mean, we, we talked and we hung out a little bit, but like, I mean, it was like a more of a team oriented thing. And he, Fritz was always at training and doing, all, I mean, it was like a, a, a real thing. I mean, it was intense. Um, but so I would say, you do? sorry, oh, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. I'm just curious how it all. I, yeah. I, 
I destroyed the guy. It was like uh, <laughs> they did three one-minute rounds, which was so exhausting. I mean, I, I, I like wouldn't a, want to box you. I was so like a decathlete in college, and I three one-minute rounds, and my uh, my legs were so tired huh. at the end of it, which is like so funny if you haven't boxed before to think that your legs would be tired. Yeah. Uh, but just like. It was crazy, but I landed like 88 punches, and the other guy landed eight, I think, or something. <laughs> it was like I felt bad during That's the middle right. of the fight because I'm right. like, not I'm like, not someone who really wants <laughs> to knock other people out. Uh, and his kids were in the audience, and I was just like, oh man, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> you, you seem like so so kind and like a nice, gentle guy. So that, that like, he's wow. got quite he's got quite a reach, though. I do quite have a, a reach. A reach. I have. A, I was shooting photos of the event, and I got a really great one top down of, of Fritz uh, landing a, of just a punch in the dude's face, <laughs> and it's like it's impo- his arms impossibly long, and the guy's just like <laughs> just just taking it. It was just horrible. <laughs> you know? and, uh, it was like yeah. five eight, yeah. probably, right. and outweighed me by like fifteen pounds. Oh boy! And uh, yeah, the weight wasn't a factor. <laughs> no. But it was, so yeah, you, it was in, you were actually a ringer. You came here. Yeah, yeah it was kind of a, it was, it was, yeah, it was a really weird, funny scenario uh, to be in. But yeah. Yeah, were other people boxing or was it one match? Yeah, no, it was like uh, 10 matches. 10 probably. matches. Like, All like, you know, like Leo Cattell, I think. Right. Yep, Leo Cattell. Uh, I mean, and, and tons uh, of people from other agencies. Borders. In mm-hmm. And, or is that right? What does yep. that Borders, parent? Yep. Norinder, yep. UPN. Borders. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, like cool. Wyden, and it was just a bunch of different groups, and there were like just some funny matchups. Mm-hmm. It was like from some really great fights. It was a really, really weird, fun event. Yeah, it was cool. That was really great. Yeah, there were some, uh, you know, uh, the oversized 8x10 Polaroids uh, taken immediately after the uh, boxing matches of each boxer. So, like, you would get, like, the bloody, sweaty, swollen so faces good. or, like, the, the title, you know, person holding the belt or whatever, like, that, that kind of stuff. It was really cool. It was fun. It seems um, like Wyden will, will often do. I, I remember seeing, like, good hip-hop shows in the atrium. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it just seemed like there's, there's a really interesting mix of, of pretty creative projects that are that are meant to kind of keep the magic flowing there absolutely like <laughs> yeah no they're they're widens great i mean they they for being as large as they are they do a really good job of like keeping a company culture at the at the heart of you know what's important to them and, and like um yeah just maintaining like strong strong vision around being independent mm-hmm. cool so i had one other question sorry yeah go i normally don't talk very much uh so jeremy do you still skate um, minimally. I, okay. I push around. I, I'm not unlike Fritz with his basketball. I, I have the brain of an 18-year-old skateboarder that used to throwing myself down like sets of, you know, sets of stairs and doing whatever. And so if I, if I don't watch myself, I will just go out and hurt myself. Um, but because I used to be really good <laughs> and my body doesn't remember that, but my brain does. Um, so, um, you know, I can go out. I still try to do a 360 flip every year on my birthday. That's I good. just turned 40, so, nice. like, yeah, that's that's a fun trend. Did you do uh, it? I did. Okay. I didn't do it on my birthday because I was in Hawaii this time, but I did it after. Well yeah. played. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I, I will always be a skateboarder even if I'm not skating every right. day. It, it's shaped me so indelibly um, that it's it's always going to be important to me. It's, like, half of what I follow on Instagram. It's, like, I definitely, that's my guilty pleasure when I travel. I pick up, you know, the newest Thrasher, newest skateboarding mag, newest whatever is out there. Um, it'll always be a part of my, my, my core. So what's interesting is we've you know, talked to Benji, we've talked to Drapple, we've mm-hmm. talked to a lot of guys where the culture of skateboarding fits so well in 
being creative, right? Like, like one of the points Draplin had made is that, look, we could make our own zines. We could make that was part of the culture. Like, yep. like there. Did you ever do any zines or anything like that? Maybe? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, basically, like uh, being in a small town like Lubbock, Texas, it's like it teaches you to make the most of nothing. Um, you have to build your entire scene. You have to form your bands, play in your garages, then then make a show, make a flyer for that show, get everyone out there. You have to throw punk rock picnics. You have to build your own skate parks. You have to open your own record stores. You have to do all of these things, and we did all those things. Right. And it absolutely, in its core, especially in that era, was an incredibly creative center for my entire life and whenever I found out when I was a little older and I had arthritis and I couldn't skate anymore like I used to I actually went through a really big crisis personally of like my creative center is gone I still love creative mm -hmm. things and creative problem solving and all this stuff but without that that one thing I knew I was really good at that really defined who I was my, for my own self and to others um, it was really hard to move beyond that and um, now no one knows me as a skateboarder it's really funny like no one knows me as this but like for like two decades basically all people knew me as was like oh jeremy that owns dealer skate shop oh jeremy the skateboarder that won the vans warp tour or whatever you know what i mean like it was just like that thing won the vans warp tour yeah in like 2000 it was it was just the the local one like the like Still. We, yeah yeah I, yeah it's crazy but um anyway so it, it's just like it was it was a it was a transition for me it was really hard i can i believe it yeah so i think yeah it was benji who had the quote about like once you skate you sort of see the world differently absolutely and I, I mean, I still look at, like, so I skated most of my life. I don't do it every once in a while. I'll go out with my son now. But I still count how many stairs. I know how many stairs yep. there are everywhere I go. Yep. Like, oh, there's a three-star over there, <laughs> six stairs Same. there. Same manual pad over there. Like, yeah. yeah, totally. There's, um, <laughs> so it, it is interesting. And it is kind of, I, I didn't really think of it at the time, but there was, everyone was sort of, doing something mm -hmm. like it wasn't just like artistic kids who were making things back then it right. was like everyone was in a band or making zines or like building launch ramps or yep. like everyone was kind of involved in some sort of creative aspect of it agreed i mean i almost feel like at the time it was like if you were a weirdo that didn't fit in somewhere obviously you were in this kind of slurry of creative madness <laughs> you know and, and however you fit in was how you fit in and it was great I hung out with everybody you know what I mean like it w I hung out with the stoners the punk rockers the hip-hop kids the skateboarders the heshers the you know whatever it didn't matter like because we all knew that we were all doing something interesting you know and um and it was just about being a part of it right um and I also feel like like to Rich's point earlier um you kind of just get this idea that like you know, a bench is made for sitting, a handrail is made for holding on to, but is it? It's like you get a chance to rethink the world around you, and by rethinking the world around you, that's a, a creative pursuit in and of itself, so you start to see opportunities and things, and that's one of our mantras, is that everything is an opportunity. Um, you know, what seems like a total pain in the ass or like a roadblock is actually gold. you got to find, like, what is that gold in that? Um, right. So I feel like it really helped shape my thinking around that a lot early on. Very cool. That's true. I remember, like, always looking for... Because you had to look for spots back then. You it wasn't did. You couldn't just go to a park. You mm -hmm. had to find, like, this would be a good place to skate. And you had to, like, go and, like, search those things out. Mm -hmm. And then, and I then never thought of that as, like, a creative act. Mm -hmm. But that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Right. But those spots would become, like, you know, 
I love the accidental skate park, right? I love I love the spots where just because of the architecture that's there mm-hmm. and, and you happen to come across it, right? It turns into this uh, this little club spot, right? It's where, you know, and, and, and you'd always have the guys who were a little better than you, right? Yep. That w- and, and you go there and it's like, kind of salivate over how good they are, but that kind of push you to try and, yep. try and you know, all right, I can, I could land that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so did you come to Portland for skating, did you say? Originally, yeah, in 1996. Okay. So I ran my skate shop from 94 to 96, and then I moved here originally 96, just kind of arbitrarily. Uh, I just didn't want to live in California. I literally threw a dart in the map and it landed in Oregon. So I was like, well, I'll give Portland a shot. And so I, I moved here kind of to get a fresh start for myself. And did I you throw and the I, dart at at the Northwest? I threw, so I threw the dart at, <laughs> so I had two friends to keep me honest in my room and I had a map of the States and I threw the dart first with my eyes closed and it landed in the ocean, in the, in the, um, in the, the Pacific. And you so literally threw a dart. I literally threw a dart and I was like, well, I can't move to the ocean. And so, and I had, a, I had certain places written down in mind that I thought it would be cool, like Chicago and LA and New York, whatever, these different things. But in Portland was on the list. Um, and, it, and I, so I pulled the dart out and I threw it again and it landed in Oregon, which is again, very close to the Pacific. But, um, uh, but I was like, cool, I'm moving to Portland. And so I made that happen. I didn't know anybody um, that was kind of part of the plan. And I did know about Burnside Skate Park. It was yet uh, unfinished at that point. Um, and um, I ended up working at Cal Skate downtown for a while when it was in its old lo- original location. Um, and met a ton of great people um, that are still friends of mine today, um, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, lived here only for a few years, like from 96 to 90, into 98, or like right around 99, went back to Texas to go finish school. Um, and that was that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, so when you guys, what was your first project? When you, w- was it Olympic Provisions, Olympia Provisions? Was that when you guys started collaborating? Or? Yeah, it was still Olympic then. Well, well so we had a, a bunch of overlap. Jeremy was at, at ACE, and I was working with Stumptown. And then uh, he was originally going to work on Clyde Common, and then that fell through. And then I, I got that project because I worked with Jane Monahan, Nate Tilden's wife. And I had dinner with them and was like, hey, you ever need branding for that project? I'd love to do it. Because I was kind of generally bored in the studio and wanted to do some other things. And... Uh, just started taking on projects like that. So I did Stumptown's packaging when I was at Wyden, and then I did Clyde Common, and, and there was like a lot of overlap between Ace and Stumptown and Ace and Clyde and all these things. So Jeremy and I interacted uh, mm-hmm. here and there. Just kind of kept that dialogue going, and I ended up leaving Wyden in uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. And he and I kind of kept in touch, and I worked on my own for about a year and kind of hated working by myself. Uh, I'm definitely like, I don't know, fairly indecisive when I can't just talk through something and I just sit there and go like, I don't know, they're both fine <laughs> options or all three of these are good enough or good. Uh, just couldn't really like land on something. And then like Jeremy and I talked a lot about working together. I was like seeing if I could get hired in at ACE to work with him there. And they, they were kind of like, had just opened uh, Palm Springs, Portland in New York and weren't looking at opening another property. So that didn't make sense for them. And then uh, Olympic Provisions came along and about a weekend we, we convinced them to work with both of us and uh a week into that project we were like man we need to do this all the time this is so much more fun everything gets better constantly you know instead of just kind of sitting there like right. staring at mm-hmm. the screen you know you're like pat we were passing files and just talking things through and coming up with all these crazy ideas you know and i think we just enjoyed that interaction so much we were like we need to do this every day 
Yeah. Uh, so he was like, okay, well, let's see if like we could bring in Stumptown and bring in Ace as clients and start something from that. And, you know, we ended up doing that, I don't know, for almost a year probably or eight months. We were working with those guys and working with kind of a few other things, Olympic provisions. We probably worked on that for eight, nine, ten months, something <laughs> like that. Uh, and... And yeah, that was kind of just the start of it for us. And did you get paid in charcuterie? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did actually. Yeah, we <laughs> ate really well. We, we used we to go ate. there a lot. Yeah, oh, same. We, used, we used to be in the Pearl. Yeah, we would. Tim and I would always. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, we uh, <coughs> we used to joke about how like how awesome our lifestyles were in, in relation to our bank accounts. Like we had no money and would like eat great meals like several nights a week and we're always just out doing things and like lots of like free drinks and free meals and all this stuff. So you're just like living like kings, but totally broke. Because you have Olympic like provisions. Um, Stumptown. Stumptown, Clyde Commons. Right. I mean, Francis May. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <Getting> <laughs> nice clothes from Francis May. Good meals at <laughs> right. Clyde and Olympic. Right. Yeah. Needs a, right. Exactly. Needs Probably money. hooked up with sneakers back from your widened days. Then, yeah. yeah. Then yeah. the, uh, yeah. It, the only thing came down to like uh, paying the rent and the heat bill, you know, which was that, like, those were. <laughs> it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, those, were the, those were the challenges mm-hmm. back then, you know. And then. Uh, yeah. Well, because both of us have a, you know, if anything, we focus on the creative more than the business side of the things. We didn't really start the business to be business owners. We started it to do work together. And so we've definitely hired people that manage the business. Uh, it's something that we don't even need to be good at necessarily. We want to be aware of it. We want to be you know, good leaders and you know, mindful uh, business owners that you know, make uh, good decisions. But part of those good decisions is, is delegating to people that are smarter than you. Sure. So we found, we found a, gr- a great team um, and, uh, and it's, it's coming along really nicely. Um, but like I was, I was essentially alone at Ace. Uh, at the same time, Fritz was talking about his, you know, his journey of like not wanting to work alone. I felt very alone too because I had a creative partner at first for Portland, and then he bowed out and went to Pika. And then I worked alone. I was like the only thread of continuity of creative for a while before someone else came in to support to open uh, Palm Springs and New York properties. So I really was pushing hard to get Fritz in there because I wanted someone else to bounce ideas off of and work with too. And so when they told me, my bosses told me, like understandably, like, hey, we don't have another property on the horizon for a while, so it doesn't make sense for us to hire anybody. I was like, well, I'm feeling burnout. I'm feeling stuck. I want to keep moving forward. So we just took matters into our own hands. And in the unlikely business decision of 2009, I quit a full-time job with benefits and insurance and everything <laughs> and started a business <laughs> in that climate um, and if we knew what we knew now like I mean, I'm sure neither of us would have like even considered doing it um, but I'm glad we didn't I had nothing to lose so <laughs> it was easy easy for me yeah, was like, right. yeah because you're going by myself. Year freelance and by yourself yeah and like I, you know and I'd been like just scraping by you know and like 2008 fall of 2008 every single project just like disappeared in front of my eyes that was supposed to happen and suddenly I was like making PowerPoint decks for some friends of mine who did strategy and some other stuff like that, just helping them out wherever right. I could just to pay the bills. And it was just, like, not fun generally. Uh, <laughs> like, I enjoyed the people I was working with most of the time, but yeah. mm-hmm. but uh, it was just not fun work. Yeah. 